Welcome to Curious and Candid, conversations with those in pursuit of more. Today's guest is Carmen Oling. Carmen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to connect with you again. For sure. So, uh, Carmen, we're going to kind of just jump into some uh, questions I like to call the conversational starter questions. So I'd like to know how do you start your day? Do you have any specific routine or ritual you like to stick to on most mornings? Yes, I do, in fact. And I will run you through my whole ritual. And I call it a ritual because it's not a routine. Yeah. But when I first started this, the morning things that I do, it was a routine. So I remember reading the book. Um, what was the book? Oh, it was like Hal Elrod's like uh, the miracle morning. And it was like, okay, you need to get up, you need to read, you need to drink the water, you need to meditate, you need to work out, you need to do all these things. So I was doing all the things and they were all checklist items. And I was getting my invisible gold star, but I wasn't actually embodying any of the work or doing any of that. But we all have to start somewhere, right? Um, so that was, let's say like 10 years ago, and I was starting this. And then I came to realize, like, I actually need something that's meaningful to me. What around this is meaningful to me? What do I what do I want to try and feel? How do I want to feel? What do I want from this? And so I started cultivating a morning ritual that really, one, put me in a high vibrational state for the day so that I could be sure to show up as my highest self. Two, really nurtured my mind, body, spirit, soul. Um, and three, really was enabled me to set my intentions for the day and then move forward. Um, so what I do, I wake up every morning and I cold water on my face. I brush and floss my teeth. Sounds silly, but you know what? I was always the one never flossing at the end of the day because I was too tired. How are you too tired to not floss your teeth? I am uncertain about that, but that was the excuse that I would tell myself. So I always do it in the morning. Now, good oral health is important. I rub coconut oil all over my body and I say positive things to myself and my body and give thanks for my body. Um, this is uh, an opposite of what I used to do growing up, which would be look in the mirror and say something negative to myself. Um, so now that I've done that, I drink uh, 20 ounces of cold water with lemon and some chlorophyll in the, the brand that I like is uh, Philosophy and they're called Sunshine Drops. So I have that water. Now my body's all primed. I am hydrated because, you know, you're sleeping. So you're actually dehydrated. You need to hydrate those cells. Um, then I get myself my first cup of coffee. I go out on the balcony with my husband. I do reading, meditation, journaling, contemplation. Sometimes him and I bounce ideas back and forth. Once I finish up for the day on that and I have my intentions set for the day, today's intention was to discover all the beauty and wonder in the world because it was kind of a rainy day today. So sometimes our mindset can go to something negative. I go on what I call my God walk, which is just basically a walk where I'm not actually consuming anything unless it's like a spiritual music. But it's usually just a time to like talk to God to hear, hear, hear things that I want to hear for the day. I get the best like downloads and information. Um, and that's what I do every day um, to get my day started. Mm. Okay. Now a couple things. First of all, uh, for everybody that's going to be listening to this podcast episode with Carmen, uh, Carmen was on a previous podcast that I had and you don't know this. And that's why I'm going to share it right now with you, Carmen. So uh, the previous podcast, the opening question was the same that I just asked you, right? That's how I started mm -hmm. the one, two, seven fit podcast. How do you start your day? And I used to start it. Do you have any specific routine that you like to stick to on most mornings? Mm -hmm. But when you were on 
the last podcast uh, episode with me, one, two, seven fit, you said basically the same thing that you said now, like you, you call it a ritual. So that's why ever, ever since I had that conversation with you, I don't know, like three, four years ago, back in Colorado, when we were both there, I insert any specific routine or ritual you like to stick to on most mornings, because I was like, you know what? She's right. I'm going to, I'm going to add that in. I like that. So FYI, that's why I added in ritual uh, because of you. So um, second of all, contemplation, you, you brought that word up in terms of a part of, uh, you know, this, this morning process or ritual what, what does contemplation kind of look like for you, for your husband, when you guys are kind of in that mindset or state? Mm, yeah. So him and he and I, we read different things. He doesn't do any journaling. He has a devotion that he reads and then he reads the Bible. I do journaling. I have a like books that I read. Um, I also read a devotional. Um, and so at, at times, like, let's just say this morning, he goes, oh, I think today's devotional was meant for you. So he reads it, he gives it to me and I read it. And then we talk about what it means to us. He talks about why I thought that might be important for you. And so the same, per like different people could read the same thing. But the awesome thing about being so unique in humans is using our own discernment and contemplating what does this mean for me in my life? Um, for example, for years, I'd always tell myself that the Bible is too complicated for me to read. But when I dug underneath that belief, because really beliefs are our ultimate catalyst for change. Um, so you can you can keep your beliefs, you can challenge them or you can change them. But what happened was it was I was just a fear that I was going to do it wrong. Mm -hmm. And really with spirituality, like it could be God, it could be Buddha, the universe, whatever you believe in. It's really about creating a relationship of your own understanding. So once I took that new belief, then now we can sit and we can contemplate and it can mean one thing to him and it can mean, you know, one thing to me. But then we also say like how it's applicable in our life and then possibly like maybe how we're going to implement change or continue to do something based on what we just read or what we just talked about. Um, so it's using our using the information that we're getting as knowledge. And this is the, the hard part for most people. We can learn a lot of things, but we hardly ever turn it into wisdom because you turn it into wisdom when you actually see and get curious how it works for you and then implement it into your life. And most people miss that second part. We're just constantly consuming information. Now, how important is it? Uh, I want to touch on uh, just marriage since we're kind of already there and your husband's a mm -hmm. part of your, your morning ritual which I think is great. How important, how valuable is having this time with your husband in the morning in terms of, uh, you know, strengthening, uh, you know, your, your love, your, your relationship, your marriage, like touch on that because I feel like uh, a lot of people struggle with relationships, whether it's a marriage or not, but how important is it starting each day kind of off uh, together, so to speak. Yeah, such a beautiful question. And, and I think I'll go back because so people know Joel and I have been together for 20 years total. Um, so a long time. And I remember when I was talking about and I first started my morning routine where I was doing my checklist items, we still lived in Oregon, we had a four bedroom house and my office slash like my workout area, the home workout area was right at the bedroom where you go downstairs to go down the stairs. And he was not in to do any morning anything with me. He wanted me to lay in bed, you know what, like do those other things. 
and I wanted to get up and get my day started. And so I could hear him like under his breath, kind of like saying things as I'm in the room chanting or I'm walking on the treadmill. And I, I never said, hey, you should do this. It was just like, I would say things to him, like, I'm doing this because this is how this makes me feel. And I know that I can show up more for our relationship, for our family, for my work, for whatever. Um, and so I just kept sharing that. Or I'd share with him things that I've learned, not to say that he has to learn it. And what came to happen was um, after some time, then he started doing his own morning routine. And then when we ended up moving to Colorado, we had a nice balcony on our condo that we leased and we started doing it together. And you know what one of the most beautiful things is, is being able to sit together and not feel like you have to say anything, but still having an intimate moment. And we do that a lot of mornings. Some mornings we don't really have time where we like talk with each other. We're just with each other. Um, and so I would say it's very, very valuable because we can both see that we are dedicated to being a higher version of ourselves, whatever that looks like for each other. But we're also compassionate for each other, that it's on our own path and on our own journey. And we're not saying you should do this or you should do that. At the same time, we also at the end of the day, we always have dinner together. And we always sit, we always talk about our day, how our day went. Um, we celebrate because I think we forget to celebrate like our opportunities that we had to serve and the difference that we're making and we're not celebrating our successes. So we do that. And then we talk about how we can support each other the next day and what's going on the next day instead of just like waking up and going through the treadmill of life. You know, we're very intentional. Mm. So 110%, very important. Cool. Love it. Okay. Okay. Uh... Do you have a favorite book or uh, is there a book that you like to gift or recommend uh, frequently? Um, yes, there are so many. <laughs> okay, so let's go with like a current release book first. So a current release book that I'm gifting right now is Permission to Offend by Rachel Luna. If you are a female leader, entrepreneur, a woman, a mother, someone that's just looking to up-level their life, like this book is for you. Um, it'd be good for men too, but she speaks a lot to women is why I say that. Um, my favorite book of all time, I'm pretty sure I probably told you this before, is A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. Um, it was the book that I read over a decade ago, and it changed. it changed my life. Because A Course in Miracles defines a miracle as a shift in your perception. And this book brought me so many miracles. Just I started seeing things so much different, including myself, my relationships and the world. And it was just being able to see things through a compassionate lens versus a judgmental uh, and criticizing lens. Hmm. Okay. Uh, now for this next one, the question, uh, Carmen, is what life lesson have you been taught or learned in the last year? Uh, I know that you are very focused on and very intentional about, you know, personal growth. So you might've learned <laughs> a life lesson like today or last week, but just within recent memory or recent time, uh, what's a life lesson that you've been taught or you've learned? I think the reminder, especially when you're looking at people and you're thinking like, oh, they have it all together or they have so much success or I wish I could be like them with their mindset or their fitness or their business or whatever. A reminder for me and a, just a lesson is like the shit always comes back. 
So what I mean by that is that over time, we build up identities for ourselves based on our conditioning and our experiences and this box that people try to put us in. You have to be this way. You should do this. Society trying to fit into cultural norms, right? And we do this work to actually try to break free of that box and let go of some of that armor that we have so we can come back home and really speak our truth and share authentically, right? So we do this work. But each new level that you get to of personal growth, awareness, consciousness, spirituality, business, right? Then what happens is that identity self, which I like to call your ego self, kicks back in. And your old limiting beliefs that you thought that you already worked through and kind of worked past, they like to come back again. Um, let's see, recent example. On Monday, I was I was coming back home from Tampa attending an event and I accidentally backed into a car and broke out their headlight. And I was like, oh, so you know how that feels like that was kind of a big mistake. So and to compile that, I couldn't find whose car it was. So I just had to leave a note. And so I'm feeling kind of crappy. And so I recognize, though, because I've done this work that like my ego self is kicking in and it's berating me for making a mistake. You are not worthy. You are not good because you've made this mistake. And it's over projecting and worrying into the future of all the worst things that could happen. And I continue going down this cycle and I keep trying to reframe it and it's just not working. And so I thought, OK. Well, what do I need to do here? So using my tools that I have in order to talk to this part of me that is always there, it always comes back, right? We just have to know how to deal with it. One, choose to recognize it. Two, get curious on what's coming about. And so when I got curious of why this was coming about was my old self, when I built that identity of how I should be, well, that person always tried to hide mistakes because they didn't want anybody to look down on them. She wanted to never reveal like her true self. She always wanted to be this picture perfect person, right? And so I thought, oh my gosh, I don't wanna be that. I don't wanna hold these things inside of my shame closet anymore like I used to. So I immediately picked up the phone and called my husband and I was like, look, this is what I just did. I'm feeling so bad. I left the no, I hope. And so by speaking it out loud, that's what I needed to make sure I wasn't going to be that old version of me, that I was still going to be the highest version of me and that it was okay that I had I had those fear thoughts come in because the shit always comes back. But I felt so much better by sharing it with someone, not keeping it a secret, right? And just knowing that it means nothing about me. Everybody makes mistakes. Um, so that was just a recent lesson that happened, you know, three days ago. Yeah, love it. Perfect. Um, last question for a conversational starters, and we're going to kind of get into your uh, backstory a little bit more, Carmen. Do you have a favorite quote, mantra, or word? And if there's more than one, please feel free to share. Oh, so many. Okay. So favorite quote. Oh, gosh. Okay. I'm going to share three things. Okay. Favorite quote is from A Course in Miracles, and that is the idea that nothing has meaning until you place meaning upon it. All day we're going around placing meaning on things that are meaningless. And most of the time we make them mean something about ourselves. The second thing um, is be the one. Be the one to show the world how great life can truly be. 
And that's always my invitation for everyone. Like, why do I do the work that I do? Because I want you to join me in being the one to live and design a life that you love and then show other people that it's possible for them too, and really being that that light to everyone. And then I said three things, and now only two have come to mind. If the if the third one comes back, I'll I'll yeah. tell you again. But yeah, let's just great. let's go with those two. Perfect, love it. Okay, now um, let's. Uh, I want to get into uh, your backstory. So um, I remember a little bit from our previous conversation. But uh, we're going to probably have a lot of new listeners to this uh, conversation. So please tell us, Carmen, like where you grew up, uh, what was life like for you when you were growing up? Were you involved in sports, other extracurricular activities? What was your family kind of like? Uh, just paint that picture for us up to about high school, and then we'll move on from there. Mm, yeah, I grew up in a small town in Oregon, about an hour south of Portland. Um, my parents were divorced when I was three. My dad remarried my my mom, my stepmom, uh, when I was five, and they're still married. They just came to visit us in Miami for their 36th wedding anniversary. And then my mom remarried. She's on her um, fourth marriage, and she lives in Portland still. So I grew up an hour south of Portland, um, divorced household. It was my brother and I who's two years older than me until my sister came along, and she is eight years younger than me. So I was the, you could say, the perfect child and caretaker of all. So the role that I settled into in my family was that if I get the good grades, so if I get the straight A's or the four point, depending on, you know, if you're in elementary school or high school, and if I make the A team or the, you know, varsity team in basketball, softball, or volleyball, which are all sports that I played, um, then I'm going to be acknowledged for that. And so I learned really quickly that achieving was the way to be seen. And when I was seen, I felt loved and I felt safe. So I was the caretaker. I often took care of my younger sister. I often cooked and cleaned. We lived with my mom and then would go over to my dad's every other weekend, just my brother and I, where we enjoyed like home cooked meals. <laughs> my mom didn't cook very much. Um, we ate a lot of fast food. Um, but overall, I could say that I was, you know, very blessed from an outside looking in, although I never really feel, felt um felt safe or seen. Um, I was kind of looked over the one that was just expected to do the right thing because that's what that's what I always did. So I rebelled a little bit in um, middle school and early high school, like dabbling into like smoking pot and partying and hanging out and sneaking out and thinking my parents couldn't smell it when I smoked cigarettes in my room. I'm uncertain like how that's even possible. Um, but all of that. And then once I got to high school, I realized like, I don't really know what came over me, but I was um, living in the small town still. I had moved in with my dad um, instead of being with my mom all the time. And then I realized like, I need to get out of this little small town because no one in my circle is doing what I want to be doing. I want to be healthier. I want to have a job, all of these things. Uh, my mom had moved to a city about 30 minutes away. And so I moved in with her. And I started working, going to school. I would get up early. I would go to the gym and lift weights. This was the end of my sophomore year. So I stayed sophomore, or no, this was my junior year. So I stayed my junior year and part of my senior year. And then I went back to where I was originally from to graduate with everybody that I knew since grade school. 
Um, had my own apartment when I was a senior in high school, still working. I worked in the finance industry mm. and I continued to work in that industry actually for 16 years while putting myself through college. Mm. Okay. Um, let's, let's, if you don't mind, I want to talk about, uh, you know, divorce. Um, maybe cause I think when we're, when we're going through life, especially when we're younger, we, we only know what we know, right? We don't really have a whole lot of perspective unless, you know, maybe, you know, we, we grew up in like a wealthy family and we did a lot of traveling growing, growing up, right? We, then maybe you're exposed to some different cultures and things like that. But most of us, for the most part, generally speaking, I think when we're younger, teenager age and things like that, we only know what we know. We only know kind of that small environment that we're around. Um, and so this perspective may, may have come maybe into your life you know, when you uh, got older and, and looked back and 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 reflected on your upbringing, but uh, how do you feel like uh, divorce uh, affected you in the immediate? I know you were really young, but you know there was remarriages and things like that. And then, how do you feel like it maybe affected you as you got older, if it did? Hmm. Um, really good question. So I saw a lot of what I can remember because I was so young. Um, I saw a lot of stability with my dad and my mom, my stepmom, um, because they've been married for so, so long. Right. And so we, when we would go to their house every other weekend, um, there was like meal time, like it was like kind of like structured. We went camping, we did things outdoors, we had fun, we were like we were we were always doing things like as a family. Um, and with my mom though, it was a little less structured. Um, she would go from like being married to being a single mom. And she, of course, and I'm not knocking her at all. Our parents are always like doing the best that they can with what what they have, right? That's what Joel and I did with our kids too. We have two kids, our son Marcel's 26, our daughter is 21, one's in Texas, one's in Oregon. And they'll probably have complaints too, you know, about us growing up. So we were doing the best that we could um, when they were growing up as well. But there was a lot less structure and it was really hard for me to um, feel connect as connected as I wanted to feel. And I could see that... I didn't learn emotional intelligence or emotional resiliency um, because I didn't feel connected or I didn't have that modeled for me. And I feel like if I would have had, like if I would have just been like with my dad and my stepmom or like just like that, like it would have been, I would have felt more connected and had more time to practice like emo like feeling my feelings, sharing Because mm. by the time I got to a teenager when I was rebelling and my parents tried to send me to counseling, I didn't have shit to say. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to talk about those things. And then fast forward to today, I mentioned that Joel and I have been together for 20 years. We've never been married. Hmm. We talk about it. I say my husband just because yeah. that's what I feel about him. We're just missing the piece of paper. Hmm. Is there like an underlying belief or fear under that? I, I don't know, but possibly, right? I don't want to be like my mom has been married four times. Yeah. So... Hmm. I've never said that out loud before. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, keeping it candid. I, I love it. Um, now, let okay. So from your childhood experiences and then uh, your experiences with Joel and your kids and things like that, 
and and I love that you said, uh, you know, as parents, I am obviously not a parent myself, but you know, uh, you you in the moment you're doing the best that you can, and then I'm sure that a lot of people look back and you know, man, I wish I would have maybe done this differently. So let's let's do that because I, I want to give some people that are going to be listening to this, Carmen, some takeaways because I know that uh, you have a lot of experience and you have a lot of wisdom to share. So in terms of parenting, some things that you've learned through your own parenting and through your own life, what are maybe just a couple suggestions or uh, words of advice you, you could maybe give to some parents in terms of parenting that maybe they could just uh, make a few adjustments or be aware of this or that so that they can maybe parent better, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. Uh, your presence is the best present that you can give your children. Mm, okay. And what I mean by presence is that you are fully available. So what does it mean to be present in the moment is that you are so in the moment you're using as many of your five senses as possible. What can you see? What can you smell? What can you touch? What can you taste like you are in it? And more often than not, you're listening. So not hearing. Most of us are just hearing things. Hearing means that we are trying to think of what we are going to say next, right? Hearing just means we're not fully present. Listening means that we can have open-heartedness and we can be compassionate. Even if our kids are doing or saying something that we deem as incorrect or not right or not a value that we've instilled in them, we can still show up with compassion and we can listen to them. Because one of the things that we often do to our kids, and I know that we, we did this too, is you should do this. This is how you have to do it. And so what that's doing is what I talked about at the beginning of the podcast is it's putting, helping them make a box for their identity of how they need to be in order to be loved, in order to be seen, in order to be worthy, in order to be successful. Even though we're not saying you have to do this in order to, that's how they feel on the inside. And so being able to listen compassionately, sometimes without even saying anything back is a really big skill because if you're all the time saying you have to do it like this, you should do it like this, we're taking their journey and making it something that it's not meant to be because they're meant to learn. And the biggest thing that we can teach our kids right now is resiliency and resourcefulness. And we're not allowing them to do that because we're not allowing them their own journey because we're telling them to be in this box. Mm -hmm. That's one thing, small things that you can do. Cook to dinner together and eat it together. So many times, even when our kids were growing up, their friends would come over and they're like, what, what, we're going to eat dinner at the table? Yeah, we're going to eat dinner at the table. Like they didn't even know how to wash their plate after dinner and put it in the dishwasher. Um, they're so used to having like fast food, quick, you know, microwavable foods, that sort of thing. And we always like cook dinner together. And it was just a time that of to be with each other. And our kids were just over for Easter. Everyone was a, picked something that they wanted to make. And we made dinner together and we sat down and we all ate it together and enjoyed each other's company. The other thing is, is to encourage them and to support them to have an extracurricular activity that includes building relationships with others that's in person. And what I mean by that is at school, you never know the pressures that are happening. I can't even imagine like today with like cell phones and social media, that was just like coming up when our son was in high school and then our daughter got it pretty good. Um, but 
we always encourage our kids, it doesn't matter, school's your job, and then you need to have a hobby. And whatever it is will support you, but you're not just going to sit at home like doing nothing because the epidemic that we're facing right now is the epidemic of isolation. Even though we're more connected than ever, showing our kids like it's okay to isolate yourself just builds anxiety, fear, depression, and um, low low self-trust and low confidence. So encouraging them to do anything. Maybe it's like the Lego club, maybe it's volleyball, maybe it's dance, anything like that. I think that would be my my words of wisdom around kids. Cool. Love it. Okay. Um, now, before we kind of transition into post high school, I want to ask you one more question about uh, your younger years in terms of like the teen years and stuff like that. Was there anybody outside of your immediate family, Carmen, that you feel like was a positive influence or had a positive impact on you uh, when you were younger? Hmm. I love this question because I think about it a lot. Um, I think about and kind of mixing up with your last question about kids is make sure to expand their minds, make sure to show them what could be possible for them, even if you've never experienced it as yourself as a parent or think it's even possible, like make sure to expand their minds. When my daughter was like, I think I want to be on the Dallas Cowboys dance team and I want to move to Dallas. Great. Let's take a trip there. Let's go check it out. Let's see what's possible. Um, and why I say that was growing up, I never had someone showing me what's possible. So I only saw one success model. The success model was go to high school, congratulations, get a good job, try to go to college and stay at that job, build your retirement, buy a house, save for retirement. You know, like that's that, that was the success model, which and I'm not knocking that if that fills your cup, that's wonderful. But I wasn't modeled anything. But um, going back to specifically answer your question. So like I said, I worked for JP Morgan for 16 years and in my career in like the corporate leadership. So I was um, hiring and training my peers. I was speaking on sales, you know, national sales conferences, different things like that. And I remember the first time I was an assistant manager of a branch and the manager had just posted it, or I wasn't the assistant manager, I was a banker and the assistant manager position was open. And I sort of counted myself out from that. I never considered that I could step up into a leadership position because I hadn't fully like developed yet. I was, I think I was 22 at the time. And she said, are you at all interested in this position? And I remember thinking like, who are you talking to? Me? Like, what? And I said, well, I don't, maybe. And she goes, I want you to apply for it. And that gave me so much momentum. I still had doubt. I want everybody to hear. I still had doubt. So I moved up really quickly too. So I was 21 when I became assistant manager, actually. And I remember I was 23 when I became a manager. And from that on, on that moment, when someone, one person saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And she just said, would you consider this? I think you'd be great at it. And I did it. And because she had so much confidence in me, it built confidence in myself while there was still doubt. It was like both and it was like conflicting emotions. Yeah. It was really the catalyst to where I am today and the success that I actually ended up having with JP Morgan. Hmm. What do you feel, Carmen, uh, that uh, individual saw in you um, at that age and at that stage of your life where she wanted you to apply for that position? Like what were some of your strengths to be uh, an assistant uh, manager 
um, at that point in your life, if you can kind of reflect on that in the moment. Yeah. So her name was Ellen, by the way, she, I, I should send her a card today. That'll be fun. Just letting her know how much of a catalyst that was for me. Um, so my strengths were really where I was dedicated. Like, um, I was a hard worker. I put in the effort. I was a team player, but I could do things on my own, like work independently without having anyone do it. I picked up really quickly. I was personable. Um, I treated people with kindness and I was very, very dependable and honest. Yeah. Okay. Now taking a quick step back, Carmen, uh, how did you kind of find yourself in the, the, the banking industry once you got out of high school? Uh, what got you there? Mm. Um, I actually started with Washington Mutual. Uh, Chase bought Washington Mutual back in like the 2009 era. That was crazy. Um, But I started as a high school intern. So when I was a senior in high school, I actually worked as a teller for Washington Mutual. And while I didn't actually know what I wanted to be when I grew up, I wanted to be everything. Like I wanted to be a chef. I wanted to be a dental hygienist. I wanted to be a waitress because I thought that that was fun. <laughs> like I didn't know what I wanted to be, but whatever I did, I just did it 110%. You know, that was the part of me that like my self-worth was built around doing and achieving, right? And you have to do things excellent or else you're not worthy. Um, and so I started actually in high school and then I just, I worked my way up from teller to manager to, I got a vice president title, you know, um, and it was just basically doing the best, the absolute best that I could every single day. Mm -hmm. Now, um, in, at that stage of your life, your early twenties, when you're kind of like working your way up the corporate ladder, Carmen, um, what, what, I mean, cause you, you just said that you didn't really, you wanted to be a lot of different things, mm -hmm. but then I think a lot of times we kind of find maybe an avenue where we can make a, a great living and we have, you know, a retirement fund. And then I think a lot of times people just kind of keep going in that direction. Right. And, and they don't really think about it because that's what you're supposed to do. Now for you, when you were kind of climbing that corporate ladder, what was your focus? Like, cause you said you wanted to be a waiter. You want to kind of do this, you want to do that. But then once you kind of started climbing the corporate ladder, was it, were you like money driven? Was it, what, what was kind of driving you to climb that ladder at that stage or age of your life? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'll give you back then's answer. And then I'll give you today's answer from what I know, just based on like reflection and contemplation of my life. But back then, so um, Joel and I were living together and we had, you know, two young kids. So let's see, like eight and five. And part of it was money driven because we needed that my salary. Joel had a great job too. He worked for the state for Oregon Youth Authority and Juvenile Corrections, but we needed my salary in order to, you know, pay our mortgage and for all the kids to do things. Um, also, I felt like, wow, I'm really good at this. Once I stepped in, once Ellen gave me that permission slip to feel confident and to move up, um, I really stepped into this leadership role. And that's like naturally who I am. I'm naturally a leader. If you're into human design, I'm a manifester, like 6'2", like all the things, right? I'm a natural born leader. And so I was really good at it. 
Um, and I just felt like, you know what, I'm going to keep going with this. And that was the, like I said, that was the success model that was modeled for me was get the good job. I was also finishing my college degree. So I was going to school nights and weekends and I finished my college degree at Eastern Oregon University. Um, again, like overachiever type thing. I haven't really, you know, hasn't really done anything with it or for me, but I did it. I checkmarked the box. Um, but what I know now, though, is this idea of our talents versus our gifts. So our talents are things that we practice and we've gotten good with over time. People tell us we're good at and we get accolades for it. It hits home. It helps us feel worthy if we're sourcing our self-worth by doing. Now, our gifts, on the other hand, are the things that God has placed in us that are our natural opportunities to serve and make an impact and do make a difference in this world. And so I had found mine partway, right? In the finance industry, leadership, sales, all of this, but I was like heavily in my masculine energy. And masculine energy is when you're controlling, you know, working really hard, pushing, forcing, white knuckling versus your feminine energy, which is more flowy and creative and easygoing, right? Um, and so I've come to realize that I was just getting so many accolades and so many rewards for my talents that I was really pushing down my gifts that I had. Mm -hmm. And when I ended up leaving um, my career, I gave a month's notice and I was like, OK, I'm going to figure out who I am. And throughout this process, I realized that I still do have the gift of leadership, but I also have a gift of seeing people, seeing people where they're at. And then also seeing what they're capable of and being so aspirational that they're able to step into that highest version of themselves. And I didn't realize that before. And I'm very intuitive and I sense things. And so just to answer your question, I know now like it was because I was getting the accolades because of my talents. Um, but what I'm even more happy about now is um, being able to use my gifts to serve mm -hmm. the world. Okay, now when did when did you start kind of uh, getting this stirring? I'll I'll say within you, Carmen, in regards to okay, I'm climbing this ladder, I'm making the money, I'm doing the things, I'm I'm, I'm checking off the 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 boxes and the the lists or whatever what I'm supposed to do and supposed to be. When did you start getting that stirring of like, but this really isn't doing it for me? Mm -hmm. Touch on that, please, and then begin to maybe walk us through uh the, the 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 mental process that you had to go through to put in a month's notice to walk away from I'm assuming a pretty great uh, opportunity with uh the 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 corporation you were working with. So mm -hmm. um when did the stirring begin and then walk us through at that time in your life the 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 mindset and maybe some of the mental hurdles you had to jump over to put in that month's notice and say I'm I'm walking away from this. Yeah. So the first nudge that I got was when I was 25 and the side of my face and head went numb. So you have to imagine um, if I lived on my own when I was a senior in high school, getting a four point, working, taking care of myself and the amount of pressure that I've been putting on myself for years and years and years growing up was like insurmountable. Right. So when I was 25, my head and face went numb and come to find out after doing all this testing, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. So I have MS. Um, but at the time, because my self-worth was sourced from external validation, I didn't want to tell anybody. 
And so I was in a deep depression because it was like, well, tomorrow I might not be able to walk, talk or see, but I don't want anybody to know because I don't want to ask for help because that's a sign of weakness. And I don't want them to look down on me. I don't want to get passed over for promotions. I don't want people to feel sorry for me. I am strong. I am independent. I can do this. So you would think that I would, with that diagnosis, I would start like taking some pressure off, but I didn't. I doubled down on doing even more. And I went like all in on everything. I started getting community awards, stepping up my leadership, not only in my career, but in my community and volunteerism and like at the kids school. Um, I started um, doing like bodybuilding competitions. I started really pressing into everything and it was about five years later. So somewhere around like 30 or so that I started realizing at first the nudge that I got was, and this is where we like decipher, you know, what God or the universe or whatever is telling us that I really needed to up-level my leadership. But what I really needed to do was up-level my personal awareness and consciousness and spirituality, but it's hard to turn the mirror back on yourself. So I started off first with just like leadership, like up-leveling my leadership at work. And I up-leveled my leadership so much that I took a promotion and I was running the number two revenue producing cost center in the state of Oregon. And I thought that's what I wanted. And I thought like the next step was then to run like a whole region or district, right? Um, and I thought that's what I wanted. And then once I did that, I realized really quickly that there was this incongruency inside of me, this unsettling, this restlessness, like, well, I got the thing, like, isn't this what I wanted? And it wasn't like, that's not what I wanted. Um, I was successful, you know, over six figure earner. I mean, my teams were successful. We got sales awards. Like it was, I was successful on the outside. And I remember one morning, um, I still lived south of south. The the uh, cost center I ran was in Portland, and I lived about an hour away. And so I would arrive early every day. And I was planning my day. One morning, I just started crying, and I never really allowed myself to feel that much. I was always the one that was fine because I I built that armor real strong, right? Like no one was gonna mess with me. Um, I'm a strong, independent woman. I can do it all, and I don't have to ask for help. And so I didn't know what that was. I, I put myself together. I ran my sales meeting, ran the day, went home at the end of the night and told Joel what happened. And he said, well, what, what's going on? And I said, I, I don't know. And often we tell ourselves, I don't know. And it's, we do know it's just that fear. That's our ego self speaking. But what I did, I took it a step further. I don't know, but I'm going to find out. And so I started realizing that the talents that I was getting all these accolades for, there's something more under me that I meant for. And I want to do something different. And something I'd always been interested in was nutrition. Um, I ended up getting a business degree and a health minor, but I really wanted to become a registered dietitian. At the time, night classes started at four uh, for the program locally where I lived. And I just couldn't do that with my career, right? Um, but then I realized I could become a holistic nutritionist and I could get some certificates. And so after much contemplation and applying for other jobs, because I thought I needed to get another job, I applied for, um, I walked into a fitness center, their, corp their corporate headquarters, about 30 minutes um, north of where I lived. And I asked for the nutrition department. And I said, hi, my name is Carmen Ole, and I want to run your nutrition department. And they're like, what? <laughs> I didn't even have my certificate yet. And so they gave me an interview and then they said, okay. And they hired me to do the nutrition at their Kaiser club. 
Um, and so I gave my, I had already given my month's notice because I knew that this was my calling. I'm going to help people with nutrition. Um, I'm so passionate about it. I'm still passionate about food for this to this day. I also worked a part-time job for uh, workforce development, which is a line of work that I knew nothing about. Um, and I ran that uh, nutrition department and then realized after about six months that I needed to leave because I was delivering the same thing to everybody and that just doesn't work. So I left my corporate job and the biggest catalyst was that feeling that I had inside mm -hmm. that I actually, for the first time in my life, I trusted my intuition, trusted my inner knowing. I listened to that little, still small voice inside that said, if you keep doing this, like you're not going to make it. This is not going to be sustainable for you. And you have gifts in you that I've placed in you that I need you to use in the world in a different way. And yeah, so I set off on a nutrition practice and that started my coaching business actually. Okay. Now, before we kind of get into that uh, next phase of your, your life, I want to, I want to ask you about leadership. So you learned about, you learned a lot about leadership and you have, you know, maybe some natural giftings of leadership that you were born with. Uh, but you learned a lot of leadership in the, in the corporate uh, side of things. Mm -hmm. Now that you've been coaching for all these years and you're outside of the, the corporate setting, so to speak, how have you been able to take leadership to another level or what have you learned about leadership that you didn't know uh, in the corporate setting, if that makes sense, Carmen? Mm -hmm. Yeah, is that you can go to all of the leadership training and you can learn all of the leadership strategies and modalities and techniques, and you can have all of the resources, but until you turn the mirror back on yourself and do the inner work for yourself, you're never going to get to the level that you truly desire. And I love that you're asking this because this has come through. So the, the women that I've worked with in my one-on-one -on -one holistic life coaching practice for many years, they're all entrepreneurs or leaders. They run large corporations or they have their own business. So they're in a leadership capacity. And this is the thing that I saw over and over and over again. And once I teach them this, it's been like the catalyst, not only to their, their business success or their career success, but growth in their relation, intimate relationships, their personal relationships, improvement in their health, feeling so much better just in life in general that uh, last year I actually started an academy for life coaches and for leadership. So where I teach entrepreneurs, leaders, and coaches how to do the work for themselves mm -hmm. so that they can show up for their teams, for their clients, for their customers even more. And that is the number one thing that most people are not focusing on. There's a small number of corporations that have found this out. I, I also do like corporate training around these topics too, that are realizing that if I can get this personal growth aspect in my key leaders, and then they can teach it to their teams, the growth in my business is going to be huge. Hmm. Um, when you say inner work, uh, can you explain that to all of us, what you specifically, specifically mean, Carmen? And what does that uh, practically look like when somebody begins to do uh, inner inner work? Really good question. So there's so many facets to it, but let's just drill down to the basics. So the foundation of what I teach in Flow Academy is the first foundational element is white space. 
So oftentimes we want to make a change or growth in our life, but we forget the letting go process is even more important than the open opening up to something new. And so it's creating the capacity to actually obtain the clarity on what you want so you can have the confidence and the courage to step out to build a life of your own design and have the freedom to do so. So creating white space, having margin in your day, not having back-to-back appointments, not saying yes to everything, figuring out what season of life you're in so that you can make focuses and intentions. That's the first foundational element. The second foundational element we already talked about, I won't go into it, is rituals. Developing rituals to get you in to a state of high vibration that's aligned with where you're going in this season of your life. The third one is visioning, dreaming, and understanding your beliefs. So creating a vision for your life of where you want to go, declaring that done, visioning it all the time. Top athletes do this all the time. They envision them making the basket. Go Miami Heat, by the way. We'll just put a plug in for that. Um, But visioning and dreaming and dreaming bigger than you've ever thought possible. You know, for a long time, my big dream was, oh, great, I bought a house when I was 23. Like, you know, this success model that was built for me was so limited. And now it's like, wow, things things can be like even bigger than that. And then understanding our beliefs. So our beliefs are the ultimate catalyst for change. You can hold them, you can challenge them, or you can change them. And just know the beliefs are why you do things over and over again, or like self-sabotage. It's because of underlying beliefs that you have. So that's the third thing. The fourth thing is understanding our thoughts and being able to reframe them. So that's understanding where this ego self, this identity that we've built up for ourselves, that does everything possible to keep us safe, keep us stuck, keep us small, keep us comfortable based on our conditioning is there. And that is always going to be a part of us. But our highest self that wants to move to this next level of awareness, of success, of abundance, of relationships, of health, like we need to know how to put that forward versus listening to our ego self and put our ego self compassionately into the backseat. So it's understanding how that's working. And then the last piece, And one of the most important pieces that, like I shared earlier, we have an epidemic of isolation right now that's really important is key relationships Mm. and understanding what is your capacity to have deep, meaningful relationships. For example, if you have 10 deep, meaningful relationships, I'm going to say bullshit because no one person has the capacity to have that much. However, in different areas of our life, you could. Right. So your inner circle is usually around like three or four people. Those are the people you talk to all the time. You share all your secrets. with, So you're not holding anything in your shame class. And then you have your outer circle, which are your good people. But for a reason, you know, I have like my business people, deep, meaningful relationship. I'm not talking to them every single day or else I would be exhausted. Right. Um, And so creating relationships. I mean, I don't know if you read the book based on the Harvard study, um, The Good Life. Um, So the Harvard study back to like I think it was like 1938, it tracked all these people, these men and their families and went into men and women over this, and it's still going today. And what makes a happy, healthy life? I'll have to send you the book. The number one thing is deep, meaningful relationships, whether that be at work, whether that be at home, whether that be with friends. Um, It's not eating healthy and working out. I mean, that's helpful, right? But it's actually having relationships. And so today we actually have to be the one 
to reach out, to set the appointment, to make the new friendship, to make the plan. And we don't want to sit back and victim mode. Well, they never call me or they never do this. Who gives a shit? If you want to have a good relationship, reach out. And so the foundational elements for that are creating white space and margin because most people will be like, Carmen, I'm just so overwhelmed. I don't have enough time. And I like to say, I like to say, like, it's not that you're overwhelmed. It's that you're not clear on what you want in this season of your life. So you're trying to be everything to everyone all the time. And it's fucking exhausting. Mm-hmm. And so you need to create the space to get the clarity that, that and then create the rituals to build the life that you truly love, that you've dreamt about, that you're visioning about, that you're checking yourself on your beliefs and your thoughts and building deep, meaningful relationships. And anytime you do the work and you're feeling really good and you get knocked out of alignment. All you have to do is sit down and use that contemplation that we talked about. Which one of these five elements am I not doing right now? Am I so busy and goal oriented that I'm not building, doing anything with my relationships? I need that. I'm going to do that now. Maybe you're just being too busy. You're not recognizing where limiting beliefs are coming in that are holding you back. So you start checking that. It always comes back to one of those key five foundations. Hmm. Love the passion, Carmen. It's good stuff. Okay. Before we kind of get back into, uh, you know, you getting into coaching and kind of where you're at current day with with your, uh, uh, the business side of of your life. um, I want to ask you about one more thing. This, you've mentioned this several times, like, you know, we, we have this, this box uh, uh, for, for our, for our identity. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm, uh, as I, you know, kind of maneuver through life and, and around different people in different settings, I notice that, uh, from my perspective, a lot of people settle and a lot of people are living their lives, uh, based off of what they think others, um, you know, uh, how, how they think others are, are thinking they should live their life. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I really feel like a lot of people aren't living the life that, uh, they want to live or they know they should be living. It's, it's based off the opinions of, of other people. Put it, you know, you're talking about like this box and identity and there's all these labels in our culture and we label ourselves and think we should be doing all this. And that's kind of, I think, part of your story. So my question for you, Carmen, is how do we break free or break out of this box of, of identity and, 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 and living our lives to the opinions of others and living how we think others are saying we should live and, and all that garbage how do we break free from that Hmm. the first step is to listen to that still small voice and that inner knowing so what you're going to feel is you're going to feel resistance and you're going to feel an incongruency to how you're showing up even to everyday activities you're going to have this inner knowing that there is something more for you but you're going to be uncertain right? You're uncertain. And uncertainty and curiosity is really the key. It is like this middle playground. So curiosity is where you want to be. Mm. And here's where you're at right now. You're feeling unfulfilled. And it could just be, you could be just like me. I had the house. I had the kids. I had the significant other. I had the career. I had the community. But on the inside, I was self-critical, self-judgmental. I wasn't fulfilled. Nothing was ever enough. I was always fine. I was never like experiencing low lows, but I was never experiencing high highs. It was just like in this media mediocrity. And there's a difference between complacency and contentment. And so this is when you're in complacency. And so you'll have this feeling. And so what I would say is start creating a little bit of space in your day. Let's say 10 minutes. 
you could give me 10 minutes. I think every, let's say 11 minutes. Everybody could give me 11 minutes and just start by noticing how you're feeling every day. So ask yourself in the morning, how do I want to feel today? Because most people, what happens if we're making some sort of list for the day, it's going to be a to-do list. But let's write a to-feel list. I think that's going to be even better. And then notice if you're able to feel this feeling throughout the day. Notice when you don't, notice when you do. And then at the end of the day, journal the times, the people, the places you're around when you did and when you didn't. Now, after you do this for a couple of weeks, it's going to be 11 minutes. So five in the morning, six at night, whatever. Then you're going to realize like, okay, so these are the things that really bring me joy and light me up. And these are the things that really drain and suck my energy. How can I do more of this every day? And how can I do less of this? And now I'm making this really simplistic because it is, it can be simple. It's like, what's the next small step that we can take? Because little by little, a little becomes a lot. A series of good days leads to a great life. And so if we do this and we're, we're doing the number one foundation thing that I talked about is creating the white space, creating capacity, creating margin. And so if we're doing more of what lights us up and less of what does it, we're also increasing our vibrational state to a higher vibration, which is also going to bring through more opportunities and more people to connect with us, more things for us to get curious about that we might want to move or change or grow in our life. It just happens naturally. For example, do you notice when you start working out or eating better that you naturally start feeling better, that you naturally have more fun in life? Like things just compound on each other. So once you do this, you're gonna start gaining clarity and it's gonna be really clear to you the people that you want to disassociate from, the places and the things that you want to start doing. From there, you can actually start visioning and dreaming and creating clarity on the season of your life that you're in and what's most important in this season of your life. For example, today I'm 42. What was important to me when I was 30 was different than when I'm 42. So right now, as I look at contemplating my life, I look at these are the things, my driving forces, where I say yes or no to things. First, my spiritual relationship with God, it's really important to me. Second, taking care of myself and my health. Third, my really important relationships and family. And then fourth is my opportunity to serve and my assignment that I have right now based on my purpose that's with inside me with my gifts. And so I know those things and I know that based on this season of my life. So I can use it as a driver to say yes or no things to start moving and shifting my life in a direction that I, that I want to go. Once you start getting this in process, you're going to see, wow. There's so much more that's available to me. Now I need to get in community, in groups, in masterminds, join a program like Flow Academy, get coaching. You know, Quentin, you have coaches and got coaches for many of things. Like find some sort of mentorship with someone that's just a little bit further ahead of me so they can help hold me accountable and give me the necessary skills and tools that I need so that I can ensure that I'm not just consuming information because what can happen, though, when you're doing this work at first is you just start consuming, 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 but then you're getting bombarded. And so then you get confused and you can no longer hear that inner voice or inner knowing. You have to actually consume, decipher what does this mean for me, get curious about it, try it out in your life, see what works, let go of what doesn't, keep what does, and then keep going. That's how we take information and knowledge and turn it into wisdom. Now, most people know a lot but they're not fully integrating or implementing it into their life. Mm. And so when you join a group, a mastermind, a program, get to mentor, get a coach, they can help you make sure that you're integrating and implementing the right things 
for you for this season of your life. Hmm. I'll stop there. There's probably way more, but that's a really good way to get started. (laughs) You could go for hours, Carmen, and and I I wish we could, but um, I want to, I want to take a step back into your, uh, I'll call it evolution story. So you, you, you left the corporate uh, banking world, uh, started kind of the nutrition thing. Uh, why don't you pick up from uh, the nutrition thing? Cause you're like, I can't be doing like just the, uh, you know, generic uh, uh, plans for everybody. So after you left the nutrition thing or, or you left that specific job or career, how did you transition? Yeah. So um, first of all, uh, I was able to walk into that corporate office for that fitness center, you know, conglomerate because of that little small voice, that nudge, that intuition. I would have never had the guts or the courage to do it before. And by doing that, I remember leaving the interview and there was two men. One was so great. And the other one, I swear, like he could do everything that he could do to like put me down in the interview. It was the weirdest interview that I've ever had. Um, But I loved it. And I grew their nutrition program. I'm so thankful for it. And I feel so blessed by having that opportunity, but delivering the exact same nutrition to everyone just doesn't work. It's, it's good general, right? Like it was good information. And so once I left there, I decided that I was going to get a part-time job and then start my own holistic nutrition practice. And I knew right away that in order to be successful, I needed to have some sort of collaborations because just doing it on my own, wasn't going to work. So I approached my local gym, um, and we both know this franchise, but Anytime Fitness, and um, I've been a member there for, I don't even know, maybe 20 years, and there's no Anytime Fitness where I live, and I still am like, Anytime Fitness, Uh, because I travel a lot too, so it's really helpful for when you travel, Um, but I, again, got the courage to say like, hey, I'm doing this new thing, I would love to be the nutritionist here at the club, it's not something they've ever had, and um, I was ready for them to say no. And they said, of course, Carmen, we love you. We would love for you to do that. And so I was able to collaborate with them. And from there, it just grew. I did speaking engagements locally. Um, My clients, how I got more clients was referrals. And then I started getting referrals from doctors. You know, at one time I had 20 one-on-one clients and 75 clients in a group program. You know, it was very, very successful. My hanging hat group program was called a 28-day clean eating program. <laughs> but it was great, right? Because there wasn't any any access to that. Um, that really grew into me having these small personal life goals for everyone. And that's where I got really interested in life coaching because I started life coaching my nutrition clients without even re- they without them even realizing that I was doing it. And so I started working on some certifications and some spirituality certifications and different things to grow into a holistic life coaching practice. And here's the part where you have to create space or margin. Um, often we forget that we have to let go of something to bring something new, even greater or more abundant into our life. So not all good things are God things. So we don't want to hold on. If we keep holding on to good things, we're going to miss out on all the great things. So after a number of years of success with my nutrition, I got the no like, and trust factor. People knew me. I had to actually let go of taking on any nutrition clients and only take on life coaching clients. And so when you're making a good living with nutrition and you're stepping into this, but guess what? That's the best thing that I've ever done. So then I grew my holistic life coaching practice, which grew my speaking, which grew absolutely everything. And then over the past couple of years, I've really transitioned to, I only take two high level women to coach at a time now, where I used to take 10 to 12. Um, and I had to let that go 
a lot of it go in order to now run my holistic life and leadership coaching academy, Flow Academy, um, which opens for enrollment twice a year. The next enrollment will be in September. But I teach all of this work, like the foundational elements and more in that. So that's where I'm at today. And really on my heart this year, I have a lot of keynotes that I'm doing for women's groups and companies and corporations. And it's really just spreading this message of you can have the life that you want when you speak your authentic truth, when you come back home to the gifts that are inside of you and you let go of all the rest. And then you can be the one to show the world how great life truly is. Okay. Now, if I remember correctly, uh, the last time I had you on, uh, like in your bio on Instagram, (laughs) I, I think you had like uh, something like you, you your your I guess title for yourself was something like there was the F word in it in terms of like a coach. Mm-hmm. Do you, you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, so so my question is, and if you can remember what it was, tell me because my my question, Carmen, is talk about the shift or the transition from from that Carmen as as a coach, whatever that. Uh, whatever you kind of labeled yourself or called yourself as a coach with the F word in it uh, to now being the link in your, or the, the, uh, the title in your bio is holistic life coach. So mm-hmm. fill us in with, with that gap or that uh, transition. Goodness. I'm trying to think what it was. The premise of it though, was slowing down. Do you remember what it was? I, I no, I don't. That's what I was asking, but I know the F word is in there because I told you last time, just like I'm saying right now, like I don't, I don't use that word. So that's why I'm saying the F word, but I'm pretty confident it did. And there was some sort of conversation about that. But my my interest is there hadn't been some sort of shift from then to now in terms of like your 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 coaching approach or just your own. Right. Yeah. Growth. So similar principles. It's interesting when I watch video or TV or listen to old podcasts that I did, I'm still speaking some of the some of the same topics and really like the whole premise of what I used to talk about was my poor, my four pillars of health, which is, um, let's see, uh, nourish your body, practice daily movement. Oh, I, that has the effort. And I wonder if, if that was it, protect your energy and then slow the F down. Yeah. So yeah, every cool. day, if you can do those things, you're going to be really good. And I still, I mean, even in Flow Academy, I coach on principles of physical health too, because you can, your body will only allow you to get to your level of calling or purpose or assignment or passion to the level your body can take it. Mm -hmm. So if you're not taking care of yourself, you're never going to be able to get there. I'm, you know, you know that better than anybody else. Um, So I can't remember the exact title. um, But I think what I was trying to do there was to fit into the mold of like being catchy, right? Like being being polarizing a little bit, which means like taking a stand one way or the other very strongly to attract people. And so what happens though, you attract people that are aligned with you, but you also attract negativity as well. And so instead of doing that, I've I've become more of who I'm who I'm truly born as and who I'm meant to be in my own authentic light. And that's really come through a lot of slowing down, a lot of stillness, a lot of prayer and meditation. Um, I'm uh, Reiki certified. So doing different modalities in a holistic fashion versus before I was really, really just heavily focused in mindset. Um, And now it's like more somatic experiences, um, and things like that, that are a little bit different that like complete the, the whole entire picture. Mm. 
<clears throat> okay, last couple of things I want to touch on now. Uh, the, the, uh, this word holistic, right? Because uh, when we close this out, I'm going to share what my website is. And I will say, you know, if you're interested in holistic lifestyle coaching, because that's kind of the direction that I'm going from the bodybuilding and really focused on nutrition and uh, the, the physical to like the holistic, the whole being the whole body, right? So in terms of being a holistic life coach, but that I want to focus on that word holistic, Carmen, for some people that maybe have heard it because it's thrown around a lot, especially if you're in the, the fitness health uh, uh, realm. But what does holistic from your perspective mean? And in terms of coaching others, how do you how do you do that holistically? Because I don't always hear holistically or holistic tied to the life coaching uh, terminology. So can you break that down for us, please? How wonderful. It's like I paid you to ask about this, right? Because this is my, for all you business entrepreneurs out there, this is like my unique selling proposition. Okay, here we go. Perfect. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, so holistic really means um, interconnected, integrated, all aspects of life. So we're forgetting about this idea of work-life balance because that's just bullshit. That's just keeping with black or white thinking, good or bad thinking. And we should be really living both and. Yes, but not yet, but I'm going like, you know, more an abundance, um, an abundance mindset. So how I can do that, and it's fun that I just got to share my story with everybody. So I take all of my certifications, all of my trainings, but all of my life experiences and life experiences can really be your resume for anyone that is feeling imposter syndrome around their business or getting started with their business. So I have sales coaching. I have leadership, right? I have my life coaching. I have my nutrition. I have my Reiki. I have my spiritual coaching. I have all of these things and modalities that I show up with someone. And if I just meet you in, in addition to my intuition, right? I'm intuitively guided. Um, I can meet you like what's most important for us to accomplish from our call today. And you can talk about something and maybe one day it's relationships. Maybe one day it's leadership at work. Maybe one day you're having a health issue and we need to tackle that. And while I might not be 100% expert with everything, I have the resources in my tool bag and the people and the experts that I can connect you with if for some reason I didn't know. But I have so, so much experience that it makes it so you can come to me for everything. So I've had people that have had uh, therapists and business coaches and they've gotten rid of them and they just go with me. Right. And it really come. One of the biggest ideas is just coming back home to ourselves and remembering who who we are and being OK with speaking our authentic truth and really relying on our gifts versus our talents. OK, um, you mentioned the word vision earlier as you were kind of sharing your story. So uh, I want to kind of finish with. Uh, and I, I know we're, we're in different seasons of life, but as you are in this season, but I'm assuming looking uh, forward, uh, what's kind of the long-term vision as we are having this conversation today uh, in at the end of May of 2023? What's your long-term vision, Carmen, for yourself, for your family, for your businesses? Like what what's the ultimate that you are working towards uh, today? Um, as we, we uh, were, again, having this conversation. So interesting that you say that. Um, within my journaling practice and my rituals in the morning, often I'm writing down and declaring and, and thanking God for things being done over my life. 
that haven't been done yet, but I am writing them down and I am in full belief for them and I am letting it go on the timeline, but I am taking small, simple steps every day to get closer to that. And I've done that for years and years and years. In the last couple of months, I felt this resistance about writing that. And so I really sat in contemplation and stillness and meditation, asked for some guidance around this. And what I realized was my ego is kicking in and being fearful to dream a new, even bigger dream. And I was like, oh, ah, dang it. That shit keeps coming back again. <laughs> and so what I mean by that is I live, like I used to always write this down. I wake up more days than not next to the ocean. I do that. I used to write it down when I lived in Oregon, not ever. I didn't want to live at the Oregon coast. Why was I writing that down? Why did I want that? You know, um, I dreamed about creating a collective of coaches um, that do the work that I do so we can um, collectively be the one to show the world how great life is. And I've done that and I'm building that. And so I sat down and I was really thinking about this. And my next level is really creating um a company in a way, because while I do have employees, they're all independent contractors, but I want to be able to offer a lifestyle to others that work underneath me in my company, um, that I'm paying them a salary in addition to cultivating this collective of coaches that are doing this work, this holistic life coaching work all across the world. And I, I love, I do love speaking on stages. I set a goal like five years ago to impact the lives of 100,000 women. And part of this big vision can't happen if I'm just doing one-on-one -on -one coaching for 10 or 20 people a year. And so this is the big vision so that um, Joel and I can have the freedom to really show up and serve and give in really big ways. Because I think that's what we're meant to do. Like when we earn then we can receive. And what I mean by receive is receive so we can give back. And I'm not saying you're giving everything back, but you're making substantial contributions to the world in a valuable way. And Joel and I just want to be able to live freely. We live really freely now. We make our schedule, but there could be a little bit more added into that. And I want to do things like host an annual party for my closest friends and family all paid for. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Like a get like a get together, just be, to have intentional, meaningful connections. Mm -hmm. You know, there's things like that. Um, I realized a dream just this month. I um, I had been dreaming about buying something substantial for my parents that they want to do for themselves, and I bought them a trip. And I'm kind of getting emotional, and I never knew like how I was going to do that or what it was going to be. So I say that to say is, you know, I was scared for a minute to dream new dreams. And so they're getting bigger. I just am fleshing it out right now. But I know it has to do with making a huge impact with this these, this coaching collective that I'm building in Flow Academy. So. Okay. The last thing I want to kind of just ask you. Um, so I over, I've been podcasting for almost five years and I've had a lot of, uh, you know, life coaches on the podcast. Cause I, I, I enjoy having, you know, life coaches on the podcast because I find them to be uh, for the most part, generally speaking, like, you know, they're, they're seeking more, right. They're, they're, they're doing the work They're We can, we can, we can, we can go deep basically. That's why I enjoy it. Right. Um, now 
I recently, uh, you know, was having a conversation with a life coach, uh, and, uh, this life coach, uh, you know, said at one point in his life, you know, he was, uh, atheist and he, he didn't really know kind of like at this point, uh, uh, where he was at, like spiritually, that's kind of where I'm, I'm taking this. Right. And I was trying, I was thinking after the conversation, because I, uh, I believe that we were, I personally believe that we were created by God for God. Mm -hmm. And until we're in relationship with God, until we're connected with God, like we're never going to know our true meaning and our true purpose. Okay. That's what I believe. And that's what, uh, I, I would preach to anybody. So with, with that mindset, knowing that there is a spiritual side to us human beings, and then when somebody's a life coach, you know, they're, they're, they're really trying to uh, get the most out of others and, 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 and whatever. I, I don't want to try to speak for life coaches, but, you know, they're, they're trying to help other people in a sense with, with their life and, and what's going on in their life, right? Kind of giving them wisdom, guidance and all that. So, but I kind of struggled because this, this individual life coach, if, if he doesn't really know where he's at spiritually, then he's not able to tap into the spiritual side for his client. And from my perspective, uh, there's not going to be any really true meaning or purpose found without the spiritual side being addressed. So if you uh, having that strong spiritual side of your life and your coaching, I mean, isn't there something missing if we aren't focusing on the spiritual side of things, especially if we're going after the holistic approach to living and coaching and, and being. Hmm. Lots to unpack there. Um, <laughs> what do I want to say about this? I agree with you. I believe in God and um, do everything, you know, glory to God. I'm so blessed today, but I shared a little bit earlier on the podcast that I used to think that the Bible, I was raised Christian, by the way, I still have my precious moments Bible that my grandfather and grandmother gave me and I still read it. Um, but for a long time, I just had it in a drawer and I saved it because it was too complicated for me to read. Now I believed in God, like as a theory, but I didn't have any practices that allowed me to create a spiritual relationship of my own understanding. And that's the part that I encourage everybody to get curious about, because if we can sit and we can understand that God is love and love is inside of us, then we can know for sure that within us and around us, guiding us, protecting us, opening invisible doors so we can have and be and do whatever it is as our heart's desire, then we can be in full belief and faith. And then we can start developing the relationship of our own understanding, right? And we can really work at that because it's there for us and it's available. Now to say a coach is wrong or right because they don't talk about spirituality, I, I don't agree. No. While I encourage everyone and your life can be so much richer and so much fuller and your blessings can be so much more abundant and you can overflow with money, with relationships, with opportunities to give, with fulfilling God's purpose and calling and assignments he has for you. Yes, but he's just on this part of his journey and it's up for him to have that journey. And so what's going to happen, just like what's happened with you and I. Think about when you were coaching a personal training session, you know, years ago, right? Think about when I was just coaching nutrition. 
I didn't, I wasn't like, so what is your spiritual relationship like? Right. And so it's, it's our own journey to get curious with. And I think the biggest thing to take away here is create a spiritual relationship of your own understanding. If you want a place to get started and you're unsure of what you believe in, read A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. If you're interested in God, go and buy a devotional and read the little passage every day and then think about what does this mean for me in my life here? Because it's all about curiosity. If you can stay in a place of calmness and curiosity, then you're going to discover what works for you. And you're no longer going to be a judge of your life because we are not a judge of our life. We're just a witness of things that are going on in this human life that we're having. And we're all spiritual as well. And so if we can do that every day, then we can move from here to here. And just know there's never a right or wrong, a good or bad, a black or white. Like there's never a wrong choice that you can make because it's all going to lead you to a path. And if you have that open heartedness and open mind and renew your mind every day and have a beginner's mindset, then you're going to stumble along the path of righteousness. Hmm. Excellent. Okay, Carmen. Uh, like I said earlier, we could go for like three hours, but uh, we've been going for close to an hour and a half. So we're going to we're going to wrap it up there. Now, uh, as I do with all the guests, I want to give you uh, the opportunity to share whatever you want to share with us in closing, wherever you would like to direct people to follow, uh, you know, check into what you have to, to offer, the Flow Academy. Um, I'm going to turn it over to you. If you do have final thoughts, final words, and any where you want to direct people, platform's yours. I'll do a quick outro and we'll get you out of here. So uh, mm -hmm. go for it. Thank you. And thank you for how you show up. Thank you for the invitation to this podcast. And thank you for sharing uh, what you think about spirituality, because I think that's really important for people to hear different different ways. And that's how we get exposed to things that help build um, the aliveness that we truly want in our lives. So thank you for, the, for that. Um, I just invite everyone to be the one to show the world how great life truly can be. And if that sounds inviting to you, you can always send me a DM at Carmen Oling, O-H-L-I-N-G. Um, Flow Academy, if you're interested in life or leadership coaching, being certified as a holistic uh, life coach, the enrollment for that opens in September. If you want to dive into your gifts versus your talents, I've actually created a free quiz that you can do that. All you have to do is text the word superpower to 503-386-2981. I'm sure Quentin will put it in the show notes. And it's a quick quiz that I built uh, based on human design, the Enneagram and emotional intelligence that tells you what your gifts are. So you can start diving into that versus just getting all the gold stars and accolades on your talents and start living a life that's aligned with you. And lastly, you can listen to me each Monday on the Permission Slip podcast. Thanks. Okay, now I do have one more question just for clarification's sake. In terms of like the Flow Academy and your coaching, Carmen, is it all uh, for women or are men uh, able to join the Flow Academy and be a part of what you have going on or is it women specific? It is women specific. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure uh, we're all on the same page. That's what I assume, but you don't always want to assume. So um, you said thank you to me. I just want to say you're welcome. And thank you, Carmen, for coming back on uh, this podcast. It was great catching up with you. And hopefully we can uh, connect again in the future. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much, Quentin. 
Yep, you're welcome. Uh, all of you who are tuning into this episode of Curious and Candid, I just want to say thank you so very much. I appreciate you. I value you. Um, if you guys uh, want to connect with myself, there's two places. Uh, you can uh, send me a DM on Instagram and connect there, Curious and Candid Podcast. Um, or you can send me an email if you think you'd be a great guest for the podcast. Or yet, if you have a friend or an acquaintance that you think would be a great guest for the podcast, or if you just want to connect with me, you can uh, send that information, reach out to me through email, curiousandcanonpodcast at gmail.com. One huge favor I'd ask of all of you before I let you go today, please subscribe to Curious and Candid on iTunes. Leave us a five-star rating and review. I always appreciate and value uh, your guys' feedback. And then if you guys are interested in holistic lifestyle coaching, this is not life coaching. This is more getting into the gym, uh, the training, the nutrition side of things. We will touch on mindset um, a little bit different than the life coaching that uh, Carmen offers. But if you guys are interested in holistic lifestyle coaching, you can go to my website and that is awakentrainingnutrition.com. I, again, appreciate all of you. You guys have an awesome rest of your day and we'll catch you next time.